Hey, how's it going, folks, and welcome to Found Flicks. On this inning explained, we're looking at the recent Netflix hit, Incantation, where via found footage style, we learn of a woman who was cursed six years ago after breaking a religious taboo. Now she must protect her daughter from the consequences of her actions. I love when movies come out of nowhere and catch on with audiences, and that is definitely the case with Incantation. No hype or nothing, just comes out of nowhere and kills it. And that speaks to how successful the movie is. While found footage isn't quite as in fashion as years ago, this proves there is still plenty of terror to be wrung from the format. It does well with the standard bag of found footage tricks, even if it does cheat a little bit at times with extra cameras or sound effects, it does also stand apart from its genre brethren in a few ways, but in particular with the story. Compared to most, the plot in this movie is dense. There is just a lot to it, which unfolds in a non-linear fashion that makes things even more confusing to keep track of, especially as more aspects to the many mysteries are revealed. The extra runtime does make things sag a little bit at points, but it also allows them to spend time on emotional beats that make the mother-daughter bond more impactful and make us actually care about the characters. Hmm, what a concept. There is a lot to get through and dissect with this one. So let's check out Incantation, breaking down the quite complicated story, just what the Mother Buddha curse is all about and explaining the shocking ending. A whole movie comes on screen with a lady looking wistful. She thrusts us into a particular world of blessings. You know, things like wishing safe travels or maybe even Merry Christmas. It may just be a thought or reminder, but involuntarily, we as people believe good will lead to a good outcome. But beliefs can become even more powerful as she shows off in a visual experiment involving a Ferris wheel. We're asked to follow its direction both left and then right. And then we're asked to determine whether a moving train is going forwards or backwards. The point is, it's our own perception and will that can actually change the world. That's how blessings work, she concludes. And they do also mess with the footage here to make things a bit harder to pin down. This opening establishes the importance of blessings as well as will. Can our own will actually change the world? We'll see. We flash to a horrifying sight of a young girl covered in sores and with a ton of extra teeth filling out her mouth. Yes. The woman, Ronan, introduces herself and informs us that six years ago she violated a terrifying taboo. For anyone fortunate enough to come across this, they will suffer bad fortune. That doesn't sound fortunate at all. She shows an example of this bad luck when popping in a tape entitled Mom and Dad. We hear voices arguing about just what kind of deity are you talking about, and did you watch the camera? The guy starts to talk, and out of nowhere, a car pancakes right into them. Dad survives the crash, but wanders out into the street repeating his name and gets splattered by a semi, with Ronan witnessing the entire thing in the backseat. So now we know at least we're dealing with some kind of god, as well as what looks like a curse regarding watching a videotape. Hmm, sounds familiar. With this curse, Ronan asserts the more you understand it, the more affected by its power you become. After the crash, she shows some officers the tape, and the reaction is quite quick, with both blowing their brains out soon after. So, yeah, best to not watch the tape. Ronan tells us the purpose of this video is in hopes of everyone better understanding her daughter's misfortune. She asks the viewers watching if they are willing to help to stare at a particular symbol. Then after counting down from 10, she asks to join her in chanting a specific phrase, and puts her hands into a particular position. Ronan turns on the camera later, saying hello to Dodo, and showing off her new camera. A lady from the school, Miss Cecilia, comes over to judge her living arrangements. Luckily, she's impressed and congratulates her as they can bring Dodo home next week. It's not all rosy though, as she warns that if she doesn't pass this evaluation period, she won't get custody and does have a pretty spotty record. Ronan sighs resolutely that she will cooperate. The time has come to pick up her daughter and she meets the headmaster Ming, wanting to know what she's filming. Ronan innocently tells him it's a new life diary, a memento 
for her daughter, she smiles. Dodo seems confused and uncomfortable around her mommy. And after being given a present, Ming has to prompt her to say thank you. She sits Ming down for an interview, asking about his motivation behind opening this foster school. He hadn't really thought about it before, but it's perhaps because he always wanted to know what being a father was like. More on why he can't do that in a little bit. They sit down with Dodo and her favorite giant stuffed animal, Woofy. She wants to take him home with her, but Ming, showing a real connection with a girl, is able to convince her that the other kids need him too. According to him, Dodo is different or special, and unlike all the other kids, actually calls him daddy. We then flash back to six years prior and start piecing together the mystery of what exactly happened. We quickly gather that Ronan was in a mental institution and is being questioned by Dr. Wu. She brings up that according to her, it's due to entering a forbidden tunnel that has brought misfortune to those around her. She nods, yes. Well then, based on that, did the baby you were carrying die? Ronan says that she gave her away. Well then, why hasn't anything happened to her or the baby then? It's about this deity, she says in a strained voice. The more you know him, the more likely you are to encounter misfortune rather than just being off. In the present, the group all take a photo together, and Ronan seems a bit scatterbrained. She's lost her keys, which Ming discovers are still in the ignition. Then as they're just about to drive off, Hisia stops her. You forgot your camera too, you dingus. At home, Dodo is also curious why her mom is filming. She's simply filming all this so she can see it when she's grown up. Ronan teaches her how to write her real name. No, it's not Dodo, which must be a nickname, but Chinlei Tung. As soon as they recite the name, they are disrupted by something shattering somewhere in the apartment. When Ronan runs out of the room, Dodo suddenly peers up to something just out of frame, staring at it intently. Ronan sees that a window in a room has been broken, and amongst the shards finds a cockroach. She checks her out later in the bathroom, and notices something else strange growing in her eye. After a hectic first day home, Ronan still thinks she did pretty well, or at least hopes she did. The circuit breaker then kicks off, plunging her into complete darkness. A scraping sound is heard from the kitchen, and she finds the fridge door curiously open, with milk spilling out onto the shelves. She follows the sound of a light switch clicking on and off, and the light leads her out into the stairwell. On the other side of the elevator door, a woman's anguished cries ring out. She gets closer to the door, and the sounds turn to a full-on painful wail. She hurriedly runs back inside and locks up everything she can. She checks in on Dodo, finding her still asleep in bed. The toilet flushes, and after she looks, Dodo has disappeared! The door swings open, and she finds a girl chanting her real name over and over. The girl gets to her feet and snarls, walking right past her mom and still chanting her name. Probably the first time she even knew she had a different name. Dodo shrieks, slamming the door closed. Ronan pushes in after, seeing her hiding under a sheet in complete hysterics. She tries to calm her down, and we see amongst the toys scattered on the floor, some have a symbol to create that symbol from the opening, indicating that worrisome deity is making its presence known here. We blast back once more to six years ago, where Ronan, along with her boyfriend Dom, and Buddy Wayne have joined forces as a supernatural myth-busting squad known as Strange Murmurs. They're on their way to the aforementioned Forbidden Tunnel, and they're excited to expose yet another paranormal fraud. Yet, yeah, this proves to be much more real than they bargained for, as they suddenly have to pull over and discover an odd statue lodged in the wheel well. It's actually Dom's ancestral family and myth that they are investigating, him mentioning that they worship what he recalls is Mother Buddha, or some kind of celestial female. Ronan starts to get sick to her stomach, and Juana is convinced that she's being possessed, as he tells the viewers. They arrive at the small village, and Dom's granduncle runs up to meet them, and he gets suspicious at the sight of Ronan, as she's not part of the family. It's a private ritual, he gravely states, as others begin to surround the car. They basically tell her to get out of here, and both do that specific hand gesture Ronan did at the beginning before walking off. After a brief discussion with a grand aunt, she comes back for a closer inspection, hopping right through the window and analyzing Ronan's hand. Whatever they saw changes their mind as they welcome the trio into their village.
footage. They're not happy about the cameras though, ordering them to shut it off. They're here to worship, not screw around. They're startled by bugs appearing out all over the place, even some inside of their belongings, and see that they are the very same that boys were seen harvesting outside in the garden. She gets a troubling phone call as Dodo has gotten into a fight at school. A boy is injured and crying, while Dodo is hiding under a table and refuses to come out. She apologizes to the boy's mother, and Ming tells her to keep an eye on Dodo and let him know if they need anything. After this incident, they decide to move her to another school. Dodo complains of going to kindergarten because kids in her class kept teasing her and calling her crazy. She chats with Mrs. Hia, discussing how she bit someone, which she had never done before at their school. And we see that Ronan has been bitten as well. With these troubles mounting, Ronan does an exercise to calm herself by slowing her breathing and telling herself as long as she doesn't worry, there's no need to worry. She's interrupted by her robo-vacuum whirring to life, and then Dodo screams from her room for her mama. She claims that someone is in the room with her, an invisible baddie that is hiding up on the ceiling. Ronan barks for it to come down this instant, but Dodo explains that she has to lead it away by the hand. So she guides her hand higher and higher until she's satisfied, and Ronan guides it out of the room. However, right when reaching the door frame, another shadow appears and slinks back inside. Well, guess that didn't work, and there definitely is something there. Dodo notices as well, and chases after it, scolding the shadow. At school, Dodo has continued behavioral issues, the teacher saying that she's not concentrating, and will often stare at the ceiling and talk to herself. Even the other kids are aware of her unseen baddie, thinking that Dodo is completely bananas. Ronan springs into action to change the narrative, dropping off a bunch of toys for her classmates and asking if this makes them think any differently about her. One boy beams that he won't call her crazy ever again thanks to how cool her mom is. Nice work bribing with toys. That always works, stupid kids. Things only become more alarming when one day Dodo is playing hide and seek. She comes to the end of a hall and a dark arm appears, reaching out for her and does actually seem to touch her face. This encounter clearly frightens the girl as Ronan comes home to her playing with her dolls all covered in blankets so they don't have to see the baddie. Ronan reveals that she used to see baddies too and warns that if you believe in the monsters they will surely go on and live inside your head. Dodo doesn't know what to do and her mom shows her a way to defeat her fears. Think of your three favorite things in the world. Close your eyes and say them out loud. Then you won't be scared anymore. Her electing for a pineapple, dogs, and Mr. Bunny. Good choice. Mom tucks her in and does a voice for Mr. Bunny. She better go to bed or the monsters will come and tickle you. Tickle monster? Uh oh, those are the worst. Dodo is curious. Is this why she threw her away? Because of the monster she saw? But Ronan promises that she isn't scared anymore, which is good enough for the girl. Now we can get that sometime after that event six years ago, she was seeing monsters herself and wound up being committed and losing Dodo until recently. We come to understand more as the trio attend the Chin family ritual, recording the whole thing in secret. Each are blessed before handing over parchments with each of their names written on them. There's another sheet scene with the same chant Ronan did at the beginning, and they are told to stand and bow. The great aunt says they must return here to worship the Buddha mother every 10 years. Even more importantly, whatever name you wrote on that sheet can no longer be used. You mustn't even think of it in your mind. They fold up the name papers, placing them into pouches before stashing them away. They all now effectively belong to the mother Buddha, whether they meant to or not. A little girl known as the chosen one takes her hand and they recite the chant. Surprisingly, the grand aunt says the Buddha has seen that she is with child and she must offer it up as well to the deity. It seems that even Ronan didn't know she was pregnant until now, explaining all the retching earlier. But now we also understand that even from birth, Dodo was committed to this family's God. After the ritual and shocking pregnancy reveal, Dom and Ronan are shooken up. But Juan is not taking any of this seriously, thinking it's all still just a big joke. They head out later to film some more, sneaking around the perimeter, and Wong continues to joke around, even carving Ghostbusters were here in the 
would. They focus in on the chosen girl, who opens her eyes and stares right at them. And they try to duck out of sight. It didn't quite work, though. And the girl asks if they are here to play. Uh, yeah, I suppose so. Speaking in private, she invites him to somewhere super fun, she claims, but no, no, not the tunnel. They're not allowed in there. She leads him to another building, but stops the boys from coming in. Luckily, they have a backup camera and scoot it under the door. Ronan scours the room, seeing a ton of figures out on display, and behind them is a huge painting featuring the symbol right at the center. She looks up to the ceiling, uncovering a massive mural that appears to depict the Mother Buddha. Its face is conspicuously obscured by a puddle of dark goo, and amongst its many arms, the god clutches several babies. It also holds a pot similar to the one seen in the ritual, along with a strand of hair. The girl returns with an old box containing a frog, which she asks Ronan to feed with a piece of hair. She's confused, but does so anyway, and the frog reacts violently growling. Ronan notices one of her ears is missing, and she asserts that Mother Buddha took it to bless everyone. She was chosen. They turn back, and all the statues have spinned around to face them. The girl begins chanting, and another voice barks out that they're not allowed in here. In the present, they have a brief moment of celebration for Dodo's birthday. She sings an adorable song about being a little princess on a white cloud, and then blows out her candles. In a nearby pet store, she finds a puppy that she excitedly declares to be woofy in the flesh. However, her mom won't let her take the dog, suggesting they can bring it home when she's all grown up. Dodo takes the camera out to wander around the halls, and bumps into a real estate agent in search of her mom. He mentions another upstairs unit where she has stashed some stuff, including several Buddha statues, which he finds creepy. While Ronan is preoccupied with the agent, Dodo quickly grows bored and decides to look around. She comes to a black staircase, and the door at the top swings open, luring her in. The invisible baddie tells her what to do, and she climbs over the wall, and soon climbs back over, carrying a big knife in her hand. Now what? She asks the entity, and she steps out of frame, wielding the blade. She's guided to another locked door, and inside the room, bathed in red, the little girl strolls right inside. She starts giggling, and the focus goes all wonky. She begins to recite the Ching chant, and we pull out to a bug from the village just hanging out. The door swings open wider, and we see that she's actually watching the curse video, which must have been the entity's real intention. Ronan swoops in and grabs her away, seeing it is the exact same camera Juan was using six years earlier. Dodo begins to hyperventilate, and she's rushed to the hospital. Ming is baffled at her condition. She was having no issues whatsoever even a few days ago, and the doctors consider that it's something in her brain. He hands over a leaf, saying that Miss Hesia was given it from the temple with Dodo's name inside. Ronan is frightened and throws it away, howling that she does not want it. Poor Miss Hesia has thusly unfortunately gotten sucked into the wave of misfortune and is seen in a crowd video jamming a scorching hot glass blowing rod down her gullet. Yikes! Back with the Ghostbusters, after their trespassing, they get locked up. But it's not too long after scouring through the stuff in the room that they are able to pick their way out. They want to check on the little girl first and start heading right for that forbidden place they're not supposed to go to. At the edge of the barrier, they show off several protection talismans that they defiantly pass through. And Juan addresses the viewers. It's the moment you've all been waiting for, Chin's Forbidden Tunnel. Hooray, I guess. Dom asks if she's really pregnant and Ronan is like, what else could it be? Why, are you scared? He says that he's not and suggests the name Chinglei Tung, which she does go on to name their daughter. Juan notices a procession approaching and the gang scramble to get out of sight. The chanting continues as the crowd gathers closer and the video cuts off. In the present, more tests are done on Dodo to determine what's causing her issues, and she's sent through an MRI. Meanwhile, Dr. Wu, her former doctor, calls in in regards to the tape. Wu still doesn't get the big deal about it. She even watched it herself. So what is there to be scared of? Uh-oh. The girl's condition only gets worse as she seems to lose the ability to use her legs, and Wu continues her interrogation. Is she afraid of the curse or that she's going crazy again? She continues that some sees something strange and say it's a ghost,
first. As Ronan is about to chop up some meat, it begins to writhe on its own, while others see the same thing and call it a miracle of God. The world as she sees it can't give an answer, referring back to the Ferris wheel example. How you view the world can truly bring about tiny changes in it. Amongst the clips, there's an x-ray of Dodo, and we see those many extra teeth from the opening starting to come in. Things only get more tragic for the pair, as after her sudden illness, Ronan officially loses custody of her daughter. She tries to refuse to sign the papers, but the lady lets her down. There's no choice here. She's merely being informed by the court. So she takes drastic action and basically kidnaps Dodo from the hospital, hiding her under a blanket in the back seat, with the orderlies and police close on her tail. Ming stops by and sees the girl inside, and plays his trump card, asking her to roll down the window for daddy. He plops in the driver's seat, asking about her mom, and she says she's off somewhere. Seizing the opportunity to do the right thing in his mind, he invites her to come stay with him. Yes, daddy, she coos, and he takes her hand, saying it's settled then. Just about to take their leave, Ronan comes rushing out, loaded up with grocery bags, pleading for them to open the door. Ming relents and tells her to get in, just as she's noticed, and they barrel away from the scene. The trio happen upon the chosen girl with runes all over her face and wrapped up in robes. They try to wake her and realize they have made it to the tunnel they were after from the start, seeing a small door marked with their chant. Oh crap, a tiny door. Don't do it, y'all. Nothing good is ever on the other side of a tiny door. Trust me, people. The couple want to get the girl to a hospital, but Juan argues they've come this far. He's gotta see what's in there, and kicks the door to smithereens. On the other side, there's a sound of a baby wailing, along with more strange disembodied voices. The child continues to cry, and considering that there could be others to save in there, the boys decide to go in and leave Ronan behind with the girl. A few minutes later, Ronan is in crippling pain, noticing blood seeping on her leg. Then Juan climbs frantically out of the hole, screaming bloody murder, and runs off. She shouts down for Dom, unsure of what to do. A thud begins with a steady pace, and she sees her pal's camcorder left behind. As for her bow, a group of villagers come out carrying a body with a bandage up face, which must be Dom. She starts weakly crawling towards the hole, and the girl holds her out some water to drink. She tries to take the camera, and the two fight for its possession. Ronan manages to wrangle it back and heads out into the rainy night, peering around the very creepy empty stalls. We distinctly hear Juan's voice nearby saying, don't ask, and she comes to an open door. There's a carcass there, along with several bug bowls and a goat's head purposefully placed into a shrine. She approaches another building, hearing moaning voices growing louder. There she catches a glimpse of several people all praying together and watching Dom's body being burned to a crisp. She spins back to Juan there with blood seeping from his mouth. He attacks her, biting her arm, and then groans that it hurts as all of his teeth start falling out. She then comes to a group of guys covered in runes, all dressed in tidy whities and Juan leaps from the roof, landing on the ground with a crunchy thud. Well, that explains what happened to her ghost-busting pals. Importantly, she did not go into the tunnel like the others did. Now with Ming and Dodo, they are making their way back to the temple, and it's not much further to go, she says. Ronan starts growing concerned at something outside, but we don't see anything out of the ordinary. That is until as they keep driving, they keep passing by the same mile marker over and over, as though they're trapped in some kind of loop, and Ming is getting concerned, wondering how is this even possible. He tries to flip it in reverse, and the car goes dead. There's a massive slam on the car's roof, and the radio turns on with the shocking news of Dr. Wu's death by hanging. The bangs get more intense and frequent as Ming futilely tries to get the car started. They become non-stop and Ronan closes her eyes and starts to chant their mantra and just as suddenly the bangs cease. They seek out a couple's help to stop the curse, setting down the camera along with papers with vanquished demons and catch ghosts written on them. The master starts his own chant, waving a dagger over the cursed camcorder. He passes out pieces of a leaf, making sure that everyone has their own chunk. The hope is 
is to put a stop to the trauma once and for all, but when it comes to supernatural stuff, eh, it usually proves not to be so easy. The lady informs them that they have to make sure Dodo doesn't eat for the next seven days. Her mom doesn't see how that's even remotely possible, and the lady scoffs, they're putting their lives on the line here. If she can't do it, they should just leave now. With that, they're sent home and told to come back in a week. Now word from our sponsor, Audible. Your online home for audiobooks, podcasts, and audio series. We're inviting you to listen now to the new original supernatural audio thriller, The Prophecy. Available on Audible, it boasts an epic all-star cast featuring Kerry Washington, Daniel Day Kim, David O. Yellow O, Asa Butterfield, and Lawrence Fishburne. Now that is a stacked cast. In the series, against the backdrop of worldwide unexplainable natural disasters, Dr. Virginia Edwards, Kerry Washington, seeks out Agent Scott Thomas, Lawrence Fishburne, at a secretive government headquarters. Virginia claims these events are signs, and unless Agent Thomas helps her, she believes things will only get worse. Her desperation is dialed up higher with a shocking proclamation as she stands before him pregnant. Agent Thomas, she says, I believe I am Mary. Could she be the actual Virgin Mary? Could he be Doubting Thomas, who she must convince? Follow the signs and binge the whole series now to uncover the truth. Listen on Audible by going to audible.com prophecy now. Now word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. You know, in the hectic day-to-day -day of living, it's easy to forget to take care of something quite important, our minds. It's important to slow down and to take time for ourselves and do things we really enjoy in order to support a healthy brain. How we care for our minds impacts how we live and experience our day-to-day -day existence. So it's important to invest time and care into keeping them healthy. There's plenty of ways to support a healthy brain, like learning a new language or taking much-needed power naps. But if you need some help or are looking for a new alternative, there's BetterHelp Online Therapy. There's many benefits to therapy, even if you just need someone to talk to. It can be hard to discuss trauma and difficult moments in our lives, and BetterHelp can quickly get you connected to a licensed therapist in less than 48 hours. Yep, that's quick. They offer video, phone, and even live chat-only therapy sessions, so you can avoid even being on camera if you don't want to. As a special offer, our viewers get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com foundflix. That's betterhelp.com foundflix. Knowing that Ming and Dodo have a close bond, she gets a text that he's taken the camera and is going to find out what's really going on so that he can feel like a real dad for the first time in his life. The mother and daughter do get to share a nice moment together when they head to the beach and she takes Dodo to fly a kite for the first time in her life. This was a precious time for Ronan, as she later recalls. But it's short-lived as Dodo grows sicker, and she's forced to find a clinic in the middle of the night, and most of them are closed. She does manage to track down a doctor at one, who determines that she needs help as well as food immediately. She can't get the injection that she needs otherwise. He orders her to get her fed and hurry back. He'll be here waiting. However, she chooses not to, and gives her a drip feed after watching a YouTube tutorial. Now you're a doctor. She tells us it's the third day now, and her legs have continued to atrophy, wondering if she hadn't brought her home, would any of this have happened? Kinda seems like it wouldn't have, honestly. She was fine until you picked her up. Ronan lifts her up, exposing sores all over her body, and Dodo groans that she's hungry. Ronan removes a needle from her arm, as Dodo warmly recalls her birthday and all that sweet, sweet cake they had. Out in the hall, Ronan guiltily munches down on a sandwich, and can't take it anymore, falling to her knees in an emotional mess. Unwilling to let Dodo continue to suffer, she feeds her some pineapple, one of her three favorite things. While at Ming's place, he continues his investigation into the tunnel footage, which is in need of repair before they can really get a good look at it. Even still, he's noticed that the more that he watches it, the more unwell he feels. For example, he yanks out a tooth and starts to think this curse might actually be real. Yep, he's been brought into the bad fortune tractor beam. Thanks to the other footage, he's been able to figure out
figure out more about what the villagers' beliefs are all about. That inverted hand symbol is a modified version of Bafangtian in Tantric Buddhism, but the difference is the original means to collect blessings, as this is in the opposite position it must mean to spread it. He tapes himself again, and this time with a serious bloody nose, focusing in on that ceiling painting of the Mother Buddha. There are temples all around it, as well as a goat at the top of one. According to expert pals of his, the script scene was used to record Buddha scriptures in ancient India. Digging further into the language, he has tracked down one of the few people left that could actually translate the words, in hopes they will provide some answers. He takes a flight to the dude's temple, and meets a monk speaking in the Yuna dialect. He forwards him the video, and says the monk was able to explain the origins of the meaning of the incantation. Just about to continue, here's a bleep from his computer. The reconstruction of the tunnel footage has been completed. His video glitches, and he briefly is seen in a different spot. He then reveals that it was him that reported Ronan to child services, because he didn't trust her. He also selfishly thought it was unfair to him, but does at least apologize for his actions. He hopes that even if something bad happens to him, that Dodo understands how special it was to him that he called her dad, and finally spills what he had been shirking away from before. He is unable to biologically have children of his own. The camera cuts, and he hops around the room. He then starts chanting the usual words, and starts to violently bash his head on his desk over and over. It gets faster, and he beats his head to a bloody pulp. Once his video concludes, Ronan is bombarded by a ton of texts from him, all the restored tunnel footage, despite him just saying that he wouldn't send it out of concern for his safety. Dodo yells out in pain, and now things are downright alarming, looking like her skin is rotting away, and her arm is covered in hive-like lesions. Thinking this means the curse has returned, Ronan gets her to spit up the pineapple, and hopefully set things back on track. She does seem to get all the forbidden fruit out, and shockingly sees amongst the puke that same dang bug from the village. Yep, feeding the girl sent their potential cure awry completely, and the curse has come back for her. With no other way forward, she returns to the Ching's place, finding it all dark and spooky. She discovers a master's body on the floor with his throat slit, along with the leaf from the hospital and telltale bug. Madam Ching stares facing away, asking plainly, did you let the child eat? Ah, uh, no, that's, I mean, one little pineapple doesn't count right. Right? Madam Ching starts tugging at her hair, and blood begins to pool out. Ronan makes a move and grabs the kid, but the door out seals itself closed. She looks back, and Madam Ching has vanished. The lights flash, and she appears in the blinks, zipping all around the room. A display noisily turns to face her, and Ching is back. She rushes at her, seeing a creepy white ghoulish face that pops out of her hair. She falls to the ground, and Dodo starts floating up towards the ceiling. A force brings her violently slamming back into the ground, gravely injuring her. We then flash back all the way to the beginning so to speak, where we first met Ronan and learned her feelings about blessings. But now we start to see things a lot differently. As she goes on, Dodo is put on oxygen and wheeled back into a hospital room. And here too, Ronan is seen praying frantically, anything to save her girl's life. But then we find out this deity isn't exactly that holy after all. The religion spread around many countries and eventually to where Dom's ancestors settled. The Mother Buddha is in fact a malicious entity, so each generation inherited the bad misfortune thing time and time again again, and they must use the incantation to receive blessings. Similar to the will or belief idea, the more people that chant the prayer, it will have more power of blessing respectively bestowed upon whomever chants it. This makes us start to question Ronan's true intentions, as from the start she was asking us, the viewers, to chant along. Now we know this was actually to her benefit. The more people she spreads the curse to, the more powerful the blessings for her and Dodo. Even this does have some effect, with Dodo's condition now stabilized, 
but things aren't looking so good as they are sending her to the ICU for further observation. At the news, Ronan has a complete breakdown and then looks just plain sullen as though she's starting to have to resign herself to letting her daughter go. There is another potential dangerous way as she returns to her phone and the tunnel video Ming sent. Unseen by anyone, Dodo shimmies out of bed undetected. Appearing she is holding hands with the entity. She walks through the main area and saunters right out the front door. She comes to a gate area along with a girl's body. The next day on the news, we are told a young woman's body was found, all covered in runes, right next to an empty lot at the hospital. So someone actually brought her from the village to drop her off here? I'm not sure. Dodo is brought back, but the outlook still isn't good. And they remember that she said something earlier about pineapples and bunnies. The favorite things thing again, it's like Dodo is struggling between life and death, spurned on by the curse. But she knows her daughter is still in there. With tears in her eyes, she recalls Dodo asking her about the monsters. And she insists once more that she is no longer afraid. She first takes an offering from the chosen girl, hesitating a moment before going to slice off her ear. Then she shows us the tunnel video in full and taboo that they violated years ago. Dom leads the duo through the creepy catacombs and they stop at a shrine display. Dom urges his pal to not touch anything and he takes paper anyway, reading misfortune and blessing depend on each other. There's a voice further down the corridor and they are halted by more protective talismans. The camera zooms past them seeing a mirror there. They briefly debate going forward but decide to cut the ribbons and continue. They find out that's only the beginning of the mirror menagerie and when sidling past another it even has a mirror on the other side. There's another baby statue facing a mirror and then several locks of hair out on display. They continue on to another baby pose in front of a mirror and then teeth one by one on respective sheets. The strange sounds continue and they find themselves at what looks like a throne. The figure is doing the reverse blessing gesture and in its arm is clutching a baby amongst other things. Its head is covered in a ceremonial sheet and the strange voices start to echo all around them. Dom's demeanor instantly changes, asking, what is my name? His buddy shoots back Dom, and then his birth name, Chen Lei Dong. Well, shouldn't have said that. He starts digging at the earth and munching down on some hair. A gaggle of ghostly arms breach the walls, and Juan tries his best to save his friend. A swarm of bugs are unleashed, sending him falling to the ground. The mirrors all start to tumble over as more and more arms reach out. Something else falls down and separates the two, and Juan turns on the night vision on the camera to try and get his bearings. Dom reemerges, facing away, and begins to slam his head on a rock. He spins back and his face is just gone. Now a mound of flesh and blood. A bigger swarm of bugs appear and the camera glitches to black. While it did reveal quite a bit regarding the boys' fates, they actively avoided several warnings and continued deeper and deeper into the cave until coming to the god's throne. Also considering the fact that it was sealed and all the mirrors and stuff, it looks like the Chin family have tried their best to contain the curse and confuse the deity. Hence all the mirrors and baby statues around. The intent is to trick the god as well as their misfortune into staying dormant as long as possible. Then the guys literally bust that whole thing up. Way to go there. Then there's the fallout with Ronan and her then impending birth. What would become of her child? She admits that when she was born, she didn't feel like a mother, but rather was terrified. She's still scared now, she says. She explains her only inspiration is to want good things for Dodo because of the guilt that she felt for more or less cursing her before even being born. Along the way, she did fall in love with her, but isn't sure at which seemingly inane moment it was. She then loads up all of Dodo's belongings and even stops off to get the woofy pup along the way. But she starts to wonder, is this really love? As Dodo did not have a choice in the matter, she was born into this mess. If Ronan hadn't intervened, she might have ended up in a better place without any harm. She covers herself in runes just like the others and then drops off all the stuff, including the pup at Dodo's school. She goes on to give a tearful apology to her daughter, saying she will never hurt her again. She then pleads with her hopefully older child, if you wake up, will you forget your name and me as well? We know the 
dangers of using one's real name, as was warned of during the ritual. Those names now belong to Mother Buddha. When you walk, walk with big strides. And if you see food you like, eat it and grow plump. This definitely sounds like Rona knows she's probably going to die. But as always, it's all in the name of saving her daughter, hopefully once and for all. If she can go on to live a normal, happy life, that's really all Rona wants. Again, out of pure desperation, she returns to the now seemingly empty Cheng village and goes right for the tunnel, shambling inside. It seems her intent is to more or less provoke or call upon the deity's attention, putting the hairlock and teeth where they belong and smashing every mirror in sight. She's effectively destroying all the group's protection in order to draw it out. She starts to groan in pain and see that the sores from her daughter's arm have transferred onto her, appearing that her plan is starting to work. At the statue, she pulls out a Ziploc containing the girl's ear and enacts the group's gesture. She again repeats, do you still remember the incantation? Please recite it in your mind again. And it appears that she's started a live broadcast. The computer background is taken over by translations of each word in the chant. Things like spell, bless, death, summon, life, collect, wish, circle, balance, all spread, joy, deity, sacrifice, suffering, Buddha, and God. So she's trying to get more people to recite the curse and spread it even further. We jump to another previously unseen encounter with the monk Ming visited. Surprisingly, we discover that Ronan already visited them back when she was pregnant, meaning she knew from the very beginning that this was a curse, not a blessing, like she was trying to convince us of earlier. She apologizes once more to Dodo, now that she understands the full truth of what her mommy did. And if she doesn't want to keep watching, think of her three favorite things and close her eyes. This video also does really clarify the intentions behind the group's chant, calling it a curse of sharing. It's not a blessing at all, but means that misfortune and blessing depend on one another. Life and death lies in the name. If one offers up their name, that means they offer to share in the curse. The ever-present symbol is a spell for diffusing the deity's curse upon others. As more people bear the curse, the more diluted it becomes. The source of the curse is Mother Buddha's face, which is why it's always covered up. They, just like Dota, are afraid to lay eyes upon the baddie. It's now that Ronin reveals the true intentions behind these recordings, not a document regarding her daughter coming home, but actually a way to manipulate more people to see the video and symbol. If she can get more eyeballs, then perhaps the curse will be lessened. She ties a sheet around her eyes and cries that she honestly wishes that Dodo wasn't her child because she is not a good mama. Well, you sure are trying. She wishes once more for her happiness and turns towards the Mother Buddha statue. She removes the tarp covering its face, exposing a strange crystal void chasm of darkness. It asks her name, and a cacophony of otherworldly voices start to moan. She violently bashes her head on a rock, and the camera cuts off. So yes, it cost her her life, but it does seem that Ronan's plan to dilute the curse did work, as we conclude with a smiling dodo talking to someone about their castle that was blown up by bubbles. So I guess it was worth it she did get the one thing she wanted in the end. Dodo's happy. Sorry that you're dead. It's kind of your fault, really. With that, we reach the conclusion for this ending explained for Incantation. But don't forget, before we go, you can send me requests for any movies or TV shows you'd like to see me explain by sending them my way on any of my social media accounts at Foundflix. What did you think of Incantation and its ending? What do you think it all means? Let me know your thoughts down in the comments below. Make sure to like, subscribe, and follow. Thanks for watching Foundflix. See y'all next time.